Hey, what's up? Ooh, we're excited tonight. I'm excited tonight. I, what? I'm hearing a lot of things. I like, I like the enthusiasm. I like the, the crowd uh, encouragement here, you know. Make sure, don't go too far with me. Don't go crazy on me. But yeah, I like the energy. I like the energy. This is great. I am so thrilled, you guys, to be here in Sylvester's. My first challenge that I ever experienced was in here, and that was quite a long time ago. And we haven't been in here for over three and a half years. It's been incredible just to see this, this opportunity open up. I'm very hopeful for future opportunities to be in here. But either way, I'm just basking in the moment. We're here. It's Christmas. I'm so excited. And I'm excited that you are here as well. Now, uh, to just, we're just going to jump in here. I have some notes for you. Things are going to be a little bit more bite-sized for you just so that we can get on with some celebration and some more music. But uh, I just want to share a few thoughts. And uh, first of all, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if anybody's told you this, but the world is a messed up place. Have you noticed this? Yeah, I know. I'm rocking Jerry's world right now. <laughs> the world's a messed up place. Of course, of course, there, is, there are wonderful and beautiful things about our world that I, I certainly want to appreciate. I don't want to like pretend those don't exist. But when we sit back and just, just think for, for two seconds, man, it's really, it's really hard sometimes. We, we suffer and we experience just all kinds of difficult, painful things, primarily because of our own messed upness toward each other, right? And the ways that we tend to hurt each other we just, we just get in each other's way and we cause problems for ourselves. And it's been, you know, generation upon generation, decade upon, thousands of years of human civilization, just mankind just struggling. And we just can't figure it out, can we? And that's hard. And so the first thing that we need to understand is that mankind has a need for redemption. There's a, some notes there if you want to throw that in there. Mankind has a need for redemption. If we think about this long enough, it shouldn't be that hard to understand that there's something wrong. There's a, there's, there's a problem here, right, guys? And so we're forced to ask, you know, why is the world like this? And more importantly, why are we like this? Why are we like this? I find it so fascinating even just to watch movies or to watch like shows even that will kind of dive into this matter of like, man, things are, this is really messed up. I was watching a show recently that was, the, the characters were just so, just bitter toward each other and found such difficulty relating. And this caused all kinds of problems for them in their lives. And they would, they would retreat from each other because they didn't want to be hurt, but they would hurt each other in the process. And, and everything's just messy because of the way that we've made it. Why are we like this? And when I watch a movie or a, or a show like that, they're, they're exploring, they're trying to find that answer, but it turns out that God is, has told us something about that in, in just the first few pages of his word. And so the first few pages of the Bible, they tell us the answer. 
And it tells us about the fall of mankind. I shared a few weeks ago before the fall break about how there, there was a fall and, and we sinned against God. But due to our own deceit, self-deceit and our pride and our rebellion against God, this is something that happened at the beginning of time, essentially, for us to experience all the, the brokenness that you and I now experience thousands and thousands of years later. So what kind of hope do we have for that? The, the fact is that broken people cause broken relationships, which creates a broken world. And Romans 3.23 puts it very well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is glorious, and he has designed us to experience and enjoy some of that glory. And we know that there's glory out there. There's, there's, there's a glorious existence, but we can't, we can't find it. We, we search for it our whole lives sometimes, and that's, that's a hard place to be. And mankind has a need for redemption. But the second thing that, that you need to know tonight is that God has promised a way, a way to redemption. We have a problem. That is our need for redemption, but God has promised a way. And we're going to explore that more tonight. I have a, I'm excited about this. I have a cool word for you. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a strange long word in the title of your handout there. The Proto-Evangelium. The Proto-Evangelium. I'm just excited just saying it. And, well, if you can put some, you know, some maybe roots together, Latin roots perhaps, I don't know. The Proto-Evangelium, that means the first gospel, first gospel or first good news. And what that word means, what it's talking about, is a particular verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, found in, once again, those first few pages of the Bible, just just verses after mankind sinned against God and rebelled against him, God laid out judgment appropriately according to this, this problem. And, but he also sprinkled in this, this hope, this hint of what's to come. And he says this in Genesis 3.15. He's talking to the, the serpent who deceived Eve like we saw a couple weeks ago. He says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, the offspring, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. What's that all about? You know, there's a lot going on there and, and we're going to break it down. So the serpent in this story is not just any serpent, it seems, right? He deceives Eve into to making a choice that condemn the rest of humanity. So the serpent is a kind of embodiment of Satan and of evil in general, okay? And we're forced to experience conflicts, right, between who God made us to be and us in our evil impulses that are now introduced into the picture. And we're just in this, in this conflict, in this hostility. But the, this verse... Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, it points toward a day in which God would bring forth a Savior born of a woman who would put a stop to the cycle 
of brokenness that we experience. But in order to do that, this Savior would have to suffer a flesh wound, a strike to his heel, so that he could deliver a mortal blow, a strike to the head, to the reign of darkness. That's what, that's what the Proto-Evangelium is talking about. This coming Savior who would, who would suffer a flesh wound, a strike to his heel, and deliver a mortal blow to the reign of darkness, to the enemy, to our problem once and for all. And the rest of the Old Testament of the Bible, after this point, this third chapter, the rest of the Old Testament, that's like many, many, many books just compiled into the Old Testament. It tells the true story of mankind's inability, our inability to fix what's broken and to produce a worthy candidate to fill, fulfill that prophecy. And so we're just struggling all throughout those pages. But, if, but with one turn of a page, from the Old Testament to the New, everything changes. Everything changes. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God sent Jesus, God sent his son so that we could receive adoption, so we could receive redemption once and for all. And later in in Jesus' life, once he's born and he grows up and he becomes an adult, he's talking about us and our need. He says, John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God promised a way to redemption, and that way is found in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mankind has a need for redemption and God has promised a way to redemption, and Christmas represents the hope of redemption. Christmas represents the hope of redemption. This is the Christmas part of David's Christmas message. Now, if you walked into a Hobby Lobby right now, you might find a bunch of Christmas decorations that maybe have a vague word on display, maybe in a script typeface, kind of cursive-y, and maybe it'll say hope, right? Or joy, or some word like that. And I don't know about you, but sometimes if, if I hear a word enough times, I become kind of numb to what it means. And sometimes if you see a word decoratively placed in an American household, enough times you become numb to what it means, okay? And so it can be very easy for me to lose sight of what it means, what makes the hope of redemption at Christmas so significant and so meaningful. But when we, when we take that idea of hope, the hope of, of Christmas, and we place it in that context where we started, where we understand that the world is messed up, we experience utter hopelessness apart from God. That, that hopelessness, it's scattered throughout the story of humanity. Our abject lack of hope to ever fix what's broken about ourselves, generation upon generation of people harming each other and hurting each other and pain upon pain upon pain, biting and devouring each other in a sense. 
just to get what we want. And the pride and the deceit of pride has just swelled up to create more brokenness perhaps than ever before. This is the situation that every, every generation, every human being finds themselves in. And it's within that context that we can appreciate the splendor of what Jesus brought to the world. And that is true and everlasting hope. That's the gospel. At Christmas, we celebrate the hope that is found in the simple birth of a child. But not just any child. He is the son of God. He's the offspring of woman. And he struck the head of sin and death through his death on a cross and his own resurrection. And so by placing your trust in that Savior, you can be freed from your past, from your brokenness, your fears, and your sin. And that doesn't change the fact that the world is still a broken, messed up place. Things might not still be perfect in the meantime here on earth, but, but if, if we take hold of that opportunity to, to experience redemption through him, if we, we can walk in, we can walk in the redemption that Christ brings and the hope of everlasting life. That's the good news that we get to walk in and experience every day in spite of how broken this world is. We are no longer need to live identified by and afflicted by that brokenness anymore. And as Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, he said this in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for for rescuing us, for offering us this gift of redemption, the gift of being able to experience peace. God, you are the Prince of Peace in, in in a world where we can't, we can't seem to get any peace or rest or respite from the, the challenges and the struggles and the brokenness that we face every day. But God, you've made a way for us to be close to you. And you did that not by requiring us to approach you and to have to struggle in order to achieve something. No, you came to us, Lord, and we thank you for that. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for us. Thank you for sending your son to be close to us. And so I pray that you would work on our hearts to embrace that truth, that reality more clearly tonight and this season, more clearly than ever before. We thank you, Lord, and be glorified through our worship and through our celebration tonight and for the rest of this year. In Jesus' name, amen.